Hi everyone, this is Patricia Brandt. Um, I am a member of SQA and I'm also a member of the um, GLPSS uh, committee and the historical committee. I have with me today William Barta. Um, we are going to, I'm going to interview him a little bit uh, for some uh, questions. Um, I've been in the GLP world at the CRO sites for 23 years. Um, 19 of those have been in QA. Um, I'm going to turn it over to William now, and if you would just like to introduce yourself. Thanks, Pat. Uh, my name is Bill Barta. I started working in GLP in 1980 for FMC Corporation in Princeton, New Jersey, retiring in January of 2009, primarily in the EPA GLP side of things, but also doing global audits as well. And I've been consulting since that time uh, in both FDA, for FDA and EPA work in the United States and overseas. Um, tell me about some of the early years in QA and SQA uh, that you remember. <laughs> well, I was in uh, QA before there was SQA. There was the roundtable, and I attended the second roundtable in 1981 when there were probably 30 people or so in the room, which was uh, quite intimate and very interactive. In the early days, we were really trying to just figure out what this all meant. And from the EPA side, it was particularly challenging because the EPA did not finalize their GLPs until 1983, and we were actually doing GLP work in 1981 in our own internal facility. So it was very much a seeking and trying to understand what we needed to do and what the agency expected us to do and how did those two perspectives meet together in the middle. And in the early days, the agency was in the similar situation in that they were trying to figure out what they were supposed to do as well. And I remember the early audits we had at our modest facility by the EPA who would bring four people with them and camp out for a week, uh, going through in great detail. It's quite different than it is today. So were you um, on the groundworks of um, getting SQA started, or were you just along for the ride when it, when it started up? I guess I sort of uh, <clears throat> eased into it. I was actually... Um, one of the founding members of the Mid-Atlantic Group in 1990, and that was uh, the impetus for that was that SQA was growing rapidly, and some of the intimacy that some of us had enjoyed in the early roundtable days was becoming more and more difficult. It's quite interesting that, I, that I've noticed in the last couple of years the national meetings have tried to recall that intimacy, which I think is a real benefit for people, because I think it greatly enhances the learning uh, experience. And one of the offshoots of, of the, the Mid-Atlantic Group, the Marska folks, was that we began our own uh, GLP training sessions, uh, which were small. There were probably 20 to 30 people in them, and very much mirrored what had happened in the roundtable. And some of the offshoots of that were we had an analytical group, which I was uh, actively involved in for several years 
around, um, I don't recall exactly, the 1990s to 2000 time frame, which focused completely on analytical chemistry, which for many uh, folks in QA who have a biological background is a very mysterious black hole as to what, what's involved. It's very different than auditing an animal study, for example. Very interesting. What, at this point in your life, what advice would you give to your younger self about QA and GOPs, if you can go back in time? Well, I, the lesson I learned was that you need to understand uh, what's in the GOPs, and by that I mean what's what's black and what's white. And it turns out, from my experience over the years, was that there was an awful lot of gray. So from my own perspective, you need to understand how much of that is black and how much is negotiable. And my own uh, gross estimate was that about 60% of the of the GLPs are pretty hard and fast rules that need to be taken literally. However, there's a significant amount of material uh, in or guidance, I'm going to call it, in the GLPs that say, if appropriate, uh, and essentially, it requires judgment. And as I, when I do my, uh, when I was active in my own company and in my consulting, I counsel people that the GLPs have these gray areas and that we are fortunate that the agencies have decided we get to do the interpretations and have them fit as they work in our own personal organizations. <clears throat> and even though I've been in many, many facilities, including our own globally. It's always interesting to me how uh, each laboratory has a different approach to the GLP, different interpretations, different ways of dealing with some of the processes. After all these years, you would think there would be uh, huge amounts of similarity and very much a template, but that isn't really the case. And that we're fortunate the agencies have allowed us to have the flexibility for creating our own GLP systems as we see fit. And that's that's my advice, is that you need to be flexible in the interpretation in, in some of the GLPs and know when to, when to pick your fights and when not to pick your fights. Interesting. So in your opinion, where do you think the modernization is going to go with the GLPs? <laughs> Uh, you mean the revisions by FDA? Yes. Mm -hmm. I am concerned about the FDA's revisions uh, because I think it has the potential for creating conflict with not only the U.S. EPA uh, regulations but also the OECD. And I'm concerned that there's going to be making it quite difficult for laboratories such as yours, the Charles River Organization would be a terrific example of how do you comply with uh, the work for the different uh, guidelines that you're following. EPA has its own way of thinking about things, and some of them are going to be quite different from FDA. And I'm concerned that they're going to make it uh, so relaxed that it's going to make it more difficult for your group in particular uh, to, to be compliant uh, in a reasonable way in your organization. Yeah, I can see that. I can really see that. 
Um, and finally, my last question to you is, um, speaking to new SQA members or new people in, uh, in the CRO world or GOPs, what kind of advice or mentoring would you uh, give to them? I have to, uh, before I do any mentoring or advice giving, I have to understand their organization structure and how, and what are the, what are the dynamics, the personality dynamics within the organization and how that particular company functions. As I mentioned before, even though we have these guidelines that appear to be a template, many, the organizations, uh, fortunately are able to tailor them into understanding that is really key to understanding how you operate. Uh, the way our company operated was certainly different than many others uh, because of the way the organization was set up. And uh, that is key to understanding uh, the situation. The other part is to try to understand how uh, management's role. There are some, ex there are some organizations where management is very supportive. I was very fortunate in my career, in my own company, that management really was was helpful in paving the way for us to create a GLP uh, compliance program where there was cooperation between the scientists and the QA people. And quite honestly, that is that is key. If there isn't cooperation, if there's an adversarial situation, it is not going to work and it's going to be picked up by the agency. It's going to be picked up by sponsors. I certainly noticed it in one particular case well early in my career that the study director and the staff were barely on speaking terms with the QA folks. And I was really concerned about the compliance of that study. So my counseling is that Number one, you understand the organization, that you have management buy-in, and not just lip service, but actually buy-in to that the GLPs really are important, and the agency is very serious about this. This is not a game. This is very serious business, and that you build a collaborative, a collegial relationship with the study directors, the scientific staff, between uh, the with the quality assurance group, that is absolutely crucial. Well, thank you. Um, I have no more questions for you. Is there anything else that you would like to speak to our members about? Well, I found it interesting that, uh, as I mentioned in the early days, uh, at least with our experience with the EPA, that people were really very intent and. And I think both sides, both the, the government folks, and we were feeling our way as to how, to how compliance was going to work in our organizations. And I think one of the great strides forward in, in my experience was that I think uh, the agency has become, quite honestly, I, I find it uh, they're, they're reasonably easy to deal with. <laughs> I find that surprising, at least on the EPA world. And I, I, I found that the inspectors we had, for the most part, were uh, were reasonable people. And if you could justify your situation, they were, would almost almost in every case accept that. So I didn't find any uh, draconian 
attitudes on the agency part, which was uh, just below the surface in our early inspections. Uh, the other piece that I found most interesting was several years ago, someone in SQA published the agenda for one of the early meetings in the mid-80s. And quite honestly, it was the same issues that we have today. And number one on the list was computer validation, which I found really quite amazing that after all these years, we are still trying to figure that one out. <laughs> amazing. I wonder if we ever will. <laughs> well, some things have never gone away, as it turns out. <laughs> I don't know if that's good for consistency or if that's poorly. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's complexity. Right. Because people, uh, you know, we grew up in a paper-based organization. That's essentially how the regs were written, based on paper, and then things went electronic, and everybody thought that was great and wonderful. And then there were all kinds of, there were, discussions and, and questions about how do you uh, how long how durable is electronic data how long does a DVD or a CD live well they don't live forever they're not like paper we have records from the Egyptians that are still around electronics don't survive that long and so dealing with that issue just as an example is, is quite challenging right right Plus, with the computer systems and software changing all the time, it's going to, it's always a living, changing yeah. Uh, arena, yeah. Yeah, it, it's uh, one, of the, one of the more interesting aspects I ran into that we, were, we had a very modest document uh, imaging system, uh, strictly for a, a small department, and the, uh, they upgraded, this is in the mid-80s, so we went from, a, I think, a 286 to a 386, I'm really dating myself, but they went to the new computer, and the software wouldn't run because the software was designed was designed to run on a certain speed of the CPU, and the 386 was too fast. So they had to do something <laughs> to repair that. <laughs> Just as an example, you take something for granted, and you better not. Yeah. Now, besides uh, besides your concerns with uh, the revisions uh, to the GLPs. Do you see any other trends you think are going to be uh, something that the future auditors need to look out for? Well, I think the international arena is always a concern because uh, even though we have OECD rules and the number of their, I don't know how many countries there are now, they're probably approaching 30 or maybe more who say they abide by OECD, but if you read the fine print, the OECD folks said, oh, well, the local the local uh, inspector, the local regulator is the one that really determines the interpretation. So you have this diverse interpretation across the arenas. And that doesn't even, you know, that doesn't even include the U.S., which is quite different than Europe. And, boy, Asia and South America, that's another exciting <laughs> place to think about. And... Uh, uh, if you want to really have some fun, go to China sometime and try to figure out what they're doing. That is really quite fascinating to observe. Uh, we, we actually established our own chemistry laboratory in Shanghai, which I was actively involved in. And that was a tremendous education, but the uh, getting certified and being inspected by the authorities was another interesting aspect and totally different than my experience here in the U.S. 
completely different. So once you leave the once you leave the U.S., you need to keep your antenna up and and figure out you know what what they're really after. And the Europeans and even the Europeans have a very different inspector approach than the U.S. does. Well, thank you. Thank you for your um, time, and this will conclude our interview.